My name is Abdul Majid and I'm Dr. Sirogi and you're listening to the Pit Lane Chatter podcast. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix and it's lights out and away we go. This is Samad in post. Unfortunately, there were a couple of issues with our recording with the weather and my voice feeling a bit off, but no matter what, we still managed to produce an episode and get it out for you guys. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Max Verstappen is champion of the world, and somehow, normally I would be here talking about how much I hate the Red Bull dominance, but that was not the highlight of the weekend because Oscar Piastri is such a good driver. He is such a good. That driver. is your highlight. That is my highlight, and I would say that to anyone. He drove. He drove so well from the sprint weekend, from the sprint to the uh to the. Actual race, main race, brilliant driving. So your main highlight of the weekend was Oscar Piastri's performance, not the fact that literally a new world champion is crowned in F1 history. I would have been completely mad about the fact that Red Bull won once again and Perez sucks for not even being close to Max Verstappen. I don't even care about that because I don't know what a McLaren does with their waters. I don't know what the saying is. But their rookies somehow turn out to be the best in the world. From Hamilton to Oscar Piastri. Did you just say what McLaren does with their water? I swear there's a saying like that. Oh my god. Either ways, Oscar Piastri, probably one of the best weekends of this entire season just because of how well he drove. Won the sprint and came second in the Grand Prix. But the second was to Max Verstappen. It's not like anyone expected anything else. Brilliant drive. So your best drive of the weekend was Oscar Piastri. Yeah, obviously. You know what? I'm going to agree with you. Piastri was phenomenal this weekend. Qualifying, he was strong. He was right up there, top five. And the sprint race, he held off Max Verstappen at the sprint race, ladies and gentlemen. He held off Max Verstappen. And during the race, it became to a point where Red Bull actually had to tell Max Verstappen to increase the pace. Never have we heard that this year, and Red Bull finally told Max Verstappen to increase the pace. Although Oscar wasn't close to them, it is a sign. It is a sign. And also, the McLarens weren't a world behind Red Bull. They were right behind Red Bull by the end of it. They were like less than 10 seconds, I'm pretty sure, which is pretty insane. So without a doubt, Oscar Piastri, the star of the weekend for me, and the unfortunate sadness of the weekend is expected. Lewis but... Hamilton. Oh, Lewis Hamilton. For me, it's Sergio Perez. Oh my, oh, where yeah, do that I even dude. get... Where do I get started with Perez? Uh, he was off the pace. He didn't qualify well. Well, it was track limits, but he still would have qualified in a low position. Then on top of that, he had 15 seconds worth of penalties because he couldn't keep it within the track. So, since we're talking about the track limits, I feel like... As much as a lot of the drivers complain, Hamilton saying that uh, that Lando Norris should have gotten third, uh, should have gone second place ahead of him, and as much as drivers complain, it isn't that hard. You can lose like a couple of hundredths of a second every lap just to stay within the track within the track limits. And if you have a car as fast as the RB19 at your disposal, you surely don't need to uh, to be worrying about a couple of tenths of a second and have three five second penalties. In the same race. That was disappointing to say the least. 
So it felt like track limits during the race weren't that big of an issue because all the drivers are going used to it. But the biggest problem was track limits in qualifying, especially Friday's qualifying. Everyone just went deletion, deleted, deleted, deleted. It was crazy. I feel like the FI probably could have been a bit more lenient on track limits, but it completely makes sense. But then uh, there were a couple of years ago when the FI would have the curbs part of the track limits. So that makes sense because they're all high-speed corners, especially in a track like Qatar. Where you have high-speed corners absolutely everywhere. So I feel like they could have been more lenient on the track limits. But it makes complete sense. And it really pushed the drivers. As they pushed the drivers a lot. There's one thing I wouldn't completely agree with you with. I feel if they start being lenient, then the drivers are going to abuse that. Because in qualifying, yeah. it's up to the couple of like tenths, tenths, thousands of seconds. And if the FIA suddenly starts coming lenient, Say on this uh on the first qualifying, then we then we all know by the sprint shootout, all the drivers would have been off the track by those couple of inches, and then the FIA doesn't know. It's very subjective whether the FIA should give a penalty, should delete the time or not, and that subjectivity is going to lead to a lot more controversy. To be honest, I believe it's fine as is. The drivers just need to be, especially Perez, have to be a lot more conscious, a lot more conscious. Have you heard the saying, give the drivers an inch and they'll take a mile? Exactly. Exactly. And that is what was said last year in Austria, because I believe it was, if it was not last year, then it was last last year when they had the curbs part of the track limits in the last turn and the drivers abused it. I don't know how, I don't know how to explain it. They, every single lap, they just went on the curb and yeah, they and absolutely abused enough. that. Yeah. I mean, they had that permission. So who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. But speaking on to curbs, <laughs> we had quite a mess with the Qatar circuits curb. Not only the curb, but even the tires. Uh, have you managed to see the picture of the Qatar curbs of how they when they resurfaced the track this year? Not yet. Those things were spikes. Those things were literally spikes, especially. So, Qatar, desert location, so there was a lot of dust on the track. Resurface track, so there's absolutely no grip on the surface. And those curbs with spikes, it just created one of the most... I don't know how to say this. It's like, God knows what happened in the race. They, everyone's data was probably completely... No, not completely useless, but majorly useless. Because the last time they were out in Qatar, which was the first time, was in 2021. And the conditions were vastly different, especially with their different cars. So... They were basically starting from the top end that we could clearly see with teams struggling to get data, especially in the sprint. We could see that the ones on softs, they didn't expect how fast those softs would degrade. And by the end of it, the softs were done for. And in the race, we barely saw the softs getting used at all. It was only a couple of three drivers who went on it for four or five laps. And by the end of it, their tires were done. Like George Russell gone the softs with less than 10 laps remaining. And Charles was catching up by like two, three seconds a lap. And it was insane. Like if there were maybe three, four laps more, Charles could have easily gone George. And it clearly shows how bad the tires were this track. So not only do Pirelli have to rework and understand the tracks of more and especially understand the curves, but Qatar, they also have to remake their curves because those curves being spikes are not good for the tires and all. And we've clearly seen it like... Never have I ever seen a race where the FIA had to place such hard restrictions that they wouldn't let a, tire, a car go more than 18 laps on the same tire, otherwise it's straight disqualification. While we saw some tires did have pace, like 
Max Verstappen, he lost, he kept those mediums in. He made them last till the absolute end. Why? Because he was able to send faster slaps towards the end of his stint. This proves that the mediums have pace, but the FIA just wouldn't allow them to go further away. Now, although it did make an absolutely hectic strategy fill race, it would have been completely frustrating for the team and completely frustrating for development because they couldn't really push everything to the limit to see where that limit is. I agree with that, but just on the strategy front, I feel in terms of strategy, just the fact that every team had to have the strategy about when to pit because of the 18-lap FIA limit on the race, I genuinely believe that was a really good idea because Red Bull is the fastest car and everyone knows that and the uh, and assume and in all the other races where teams are one stopping, two stopping, there's a limited amount of strategy involved in my opinion. But the moment you have to pit more often, the timing is so important of those pit stops. Maybe the 18 laps was very, very harsh and there's a lot of external factors at play there. But if such a rule maybe at 25 so it's more accommodating to the hard tires as well because those were not used at all or barely i'm not sure i don't think they were used everyone at all had one stint on the hearts just so they could use a different compound and not get disqualified if they had enough mediums and if there was no compound rule everyone would just go on medium four stop exactly exactly so there was a good amount of strategy and i feel if there's going to be other winners other than max Verstappen, other than the red bull if such a rule was implemented I feel there would have been a chance of a Red Bull blunder and perhaps you see another one of the competent teams, maybe Ferrari, uh, McLaren or Mercedes, who may have like a really good strategy and they do have a chance to win. So that would have been a lot more interesting if it was implemented in other races, in my opinion. The strategy part could have been emphasized a lot and I actually enjoyed the race in that way. Yeah, I feel like but there's a limit on the strategy. Like, this one was just way too much. It was overkill. Like, we clearly saw that the tires had pace. They didn't have to push it out to the limit that they did. It was extremely excessive by the FIA. And I understand that was safety precautions and everything, but it was too much. And you know what? Speaking about safety precautions, let us talk about the conditions in the race. Because only a couple of hours after the race... Has it been risen up to see that the conditions were actually extremely unsafe? Because there were multiple things that happened. So, uh, obviously, we saw live on the cooldown room, half of them just went to sleep because they were just so done in the cooldown room. Then after that, Logan Sargent feeling ill and retiring from the race. There is a lot to say about that could probably be uh, his competency as a driver or maybe it was just really that bad. Because I remember when I saw Logan coming out, there was sweat dripping off yeah, his he was, suit. It yeah. was insane. I saw and that then as well. After that, did you know, ever since lap 15 or lap 16 ish, Ocon held puked in his helmet the entire time and he didn't tell his team until the end. He puked in his helmet around lap 15, 16. Uh, and still raced with it. I mean, that, and, that's actually so respectable. Yeah. That's so and respectable. Apparently, Lando Norris had said that after the race, uh, multiple drivers had just fainted in the in the med bay because of how tired they were feeling and there's a video of Alex Albin struggling to get off his car and the moment Lance Stroll got into park for me he parked next to the ambulance and right after he got his car he just went to the ambulance so the air temperature was about 32 degrees there was extremely hot and Fernando also complained about it saying that his seat is burning so do you think it was right decisions for the FIA to make a race here? I can't really say I can't really say because it's so complicated you can't cancel it is 
that's a really big thing but then again the driver safety if any driver had like a really bad case then the FIA would have been in a lot of shit but then again you can't really cancel the race right before the weekend because it's going to draw a lot of trouble to yeah. the FIA to the F1 and everything so they were in a tough spot but then they could have i don't know if there's a lot of there's any precedent of it's happened before they could have shortened the race or something of the sort to make it more to make it safer for the drivers i guess mm, that does make sense but then at the same time i'm coming from a completely different approach which is like it tests the drivers and if there was a accident that happened a major accident and that's because maybe the driver felt too hot or something partially could have been blamed on the driver but also definitely much more on the conditions but i feel like there is a time when there draws a line between the conditions and the driver competency the driver has to be competent enough to race under the conditions and well we're not drivers so we don't know how severe the conditions were by the reports of it looks like the conditions were surely unsafe for the drivers i didn't know all that but i knew about the fernando alonso saying that the car was that the seat was too hot and then after that all of that but i there's a line where you where you draw when you say that it's because of driver competency or it's because of the conditions and that is the FIA's decision and that after that is all, the FIA's decision after all the race happened and in my opinion it was quite entertaining all honestly you know one thing i was looking forward to that didn't happen when fernando alonso had messaged on the steam radio that it's getting really hot and when i come for a pit stop can you guys throw water on me and something that oh, yeah, had taken that. me back to those 1950s and i really expected to just see one mechanic with a bucket of ice water just splash it on fernando as he got to the pit but oh man i'm i'm really disappointed that didn't happen and you know what if we're talking about pit stops why don't we go to some of the biggest pit stop news that is McLaren have the new world record for pit stops of 1.8 second on Lando Norris. Wow. This was absolutely brilliant. And I feel like uh, McLaren ever since that I think it was 2008 era and this the way that they started off the season as the most in the most incompetent team I believe. They were in last struggling to get points and every time uh, I think it was Lando Norris who somehow got second or third in one of the qualifying That was a surprise, and the fact that they've gone from there to here is absolutely crazy. Their level of racing this weekend, their car this weekend, absolutely brilliant. You know what surprises me more about the record is that it was set in this era because this era the tires have become bigger, and there's also that little tire cover which removes the mechanics freedom of the angle that they can place the tire in. So, and especially with some new sensors that was placed by the FIA or about the pit stops that made them slower. So. After Red Bull's Brazil world record, I thought nothing could be that world record because it would be physically impossible with the way FIA had updated the pit stop rules and changed the cars and everything. But McLaren pulled out a one point eight second pit stop. Brilliant. You know what? Since we're on the topic of McLaren, how about we talk about the little beef they had in their team of Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri towards the end of the race? All honestly, this time I would give it completely. There comes a time when the when the team should just tell their two drivers go race, and this should not come to a stage where the two drivers are crashing against each other 
and we've all seen what happens with the entire Ricardo and Verstappen. I think it was in 2018. It can go badly, but when two drivers of the same constructor, the exact same car race, the amount of entertainment it provides is absolutely crazy. And this brings me back to last year. I think it was Brazil when Hamilton and Russell are at the top. Hamilton looking for his first uh, race win of the season, and Mercedes just stole both of your drivers go race. And it was the best competition of that entire, one of the best competitions of that entire year. Two cars, exact same constructor, exact same power, exact same car going against each other. Which is like a true test of driver uh, capability and competence and everything. So, while you have to have your best interests, uh, interests of the team getting as many points as possible, I feel just letting the two drivers go up against each other is a brilliant move. Yeah, honestly, I feel like they should have told Lando Norris, if you want that position, we're not going to give it to you. You go and get it because Lando Norris has been asking for quite a few positions from Oscar Piastri. So I feel like they should have just told him, you want the position, you go get it. Just make sure you guys don't crash out. They had said over the team radio that the reason why they're not letting Oscar pass Lando for them to hold positions is because George Russell ha- was a threat when in reality he wasn't much of a threat. So there was clearly just the other reason for that. So now, can we talk about the two black trash? <laughs> How do you feel about that? It's like the one part of this podcast this weekend that I absolutely hate. How do you feel about that? Let's, let, let's begin with you, you know, Lewis Hamilton being your favorite driver, Lewis Hamilton being at fault. First of all, Lewis Hamilton was completely at fault and I'm pretty sure he said it himself. Terrible crash. Terrible crash. First of all, he gets a DNF, cannot finish the race. And he ruins the chances of George Russell finish the race. And the reason why this specific race pissed me off the most is because I believe that Mercedes were faster than McLaren in this circuit and almost as fast as Red Bull in this circuit. Because the way that George Russell entered the race at 18th, comes back and finishes the race at 4th, I believe. Yeah, yeah it was 4th, I'm pretty sure. Fourth, and he drove really well, like the like the way he overtook, and uh, the Mercedes was fast on the straights, had good corners, had good grip on the corners. Mercedes was really was a really fast car this weekend, but the fact is, we started two three, we were well, we were well competent to get a double podium, but Hamilton had to ruin it. Oh, the Had joy this brings on my face seeing a Hamilton fan admit his fault. Honestly, pretty unacceptable. I mean, definitely he should have seen George on his side. He definitely saw George on his side. I mean, he was making an overtake on the outside. There was so much space on the left. He could have just waited a bit late. He could have turned in a second later, maybe half a second later, and he could have avoided that crash. He turned in on George Russell, which is pretty funny, considering someone actually turned in on George Russell this time. But what was the... Like, generally, what was the point of being so aggressive? If it was, like, another constructor, it may have made sense. Like, you're trying to get the lead, you're trying to get to second. It's your own teammate. It's your own teammate. He could have just been a little less aggressive. He had a really good start of the softs. Like, a really good start. He had the pace. He could have waited for the straight and easily got ahead of George Russell. But he just ruined the entire race. At least he made an moment. entertaining start, you know. It was chaotic start. Hamilton definitely shouldn't have done that. 
Alden, honestly, he could have went. He could have made that move around the outside of the both of them, and he honestly destroyed chances for Mercedes because Mercedes had base. Russell was that. I think we could have seen Mercedes and McLaren fight, and if they really got their stuff together and pulled out great strategies, which Mercedes, we know their strategy book is top tier sometimes. I think they could have really taken the fight to Verstappen, and who knows, maybe Hamilton could have won a race this year. He could have gotten back on that top step of the podium. Don't do this. Don't do this. When we get it, do not feel so dark about Hamilton winning. He, that honestly, hurts. he really could have won. Start on the softs if he played his cards right, and Mercedes normally do, because Mercedes know how to make strategies. I think they could have gone a double podium at least. I think they could have taken McLaren's 2 and 3, because Russell had some pace, and he was very aggressive. Also, by the way, just on that topic, I would just like to talk about the fact that Russell drove so well in the Grand Prix yesterday. The fact that he came out off the pit lane at, uh, what was it, like 18th position, 18th, like last in the grid, and the way that he moved up, getting overtakes on every single driver, no matter if it was Perez or the RB or whoever it was, he had brilliant overtakes and there was a time before he took a second pit stop or his first like proper pit stop in terms of the context of the race. If he, uh, before that, he was in second to Max Verstappen and he was fast. He was challenging him on completely degraded tires. That was so entertaining. He raced, he raced really well. Really well. He did. I mean, his comeback during the field, like, uh, I shared a photo of how I watched the races on the Instagram. And if you saw, I had two POVs pulled up. Now, I normally have Charles and someone near to Charles, but this time I actually pulled up Russell's POV just because of how many overtakes he was making. It was so entertaining watching him just cut through the field now. I am aware that he was going through slower cars, but you must also take in fact that the way he overtook, the judgments he made were absolutely phenomenal. He made some really good overtakes, some really good choices, and he was really strong throughout that race. Honestly, absolutely. I feel like racecraft-wise, Russell was probably the best driver out there. But in terms of who got my overall driver of the day, I'm still going to say Piastri because of the fact that he's simply a rookie and he pulled up performances like this. For sure. I'll agree with that. But, huh, it's a really disappointing weekend for all Hamilton fans. It is. Really it is, disappointing. It is. Now, you had spoken about Russell overtaking on Perez. Now, can we just talk about Perez? Now, I have given him my disappointment of the week, and there's clearly a season for that. But then, it's not the first time he's performed like this. And with these performances, you really have to check, like, can he continue at Red Bull? And the Japanese Grand Prix, he DNF'd twice. Ha- I'm sorry. How do you DNF a race twice? Red Bull had a double DNF and still won the race. That is the, the level Red Bull has been on this year. And they have a driver like Perez who got 15 seconds worth of penalties and honestly was really lucky to still stay in the points by the end of it. He struggled to get points and he was fighting the likes of Lance Troll. I mean, he's in the RB19 rocket ship and... His qualifying the entire year has been really questionable, but at the start of the year, even though he had a really bad qualifying, he was able to cover it up in the race. But now recently, he just hasn't been able to pull out the race. He has lost a lot of pace throughout the year. And now, obviously, it is pretty obvious that the car is more fine-tuned towards Verstappen, but there's also a reason for that. Verstappen is the better driver. And now Perez should be able to perform because he still has the same car. He should still be able to perform. If not the levels of Verstappen, I'll step before Verstappen, but he is performing miles behind Verstappen. And, and I'll give Perez 
Wait, just one second. I'll give Perez this one thing. Ever since, I think, the last two years, let's be honest, he's been the water boy for Hamilton, for uh, Verstappen, for testing tires, everything. So I'm not saying that he's at a competitive level with Verstappen just because of his like le- like his role in the team. But he is surely behind. And, his, and I was reading up about this. There's a 125-point difference between Masa- uh, Verstappen and Klaus which allows Red Bull to exit out, uh, to, uh, which allows uh, uh, Red Bull to void his contract with the team. And I feel that they're going to enforce it because there are a lot more competent drivers who are ready to take his place in the Red Bull. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of drivers ready to, ready to take his place. And I just don't believe Perez has it in him as a driver. He has a lot of talent, as we could see at the start of the race. But he keeps making these mistakes, whether it's the 15 seconds of penalties in the uh, because of track limits and whatever it is, is in a tough spot right now. A really tough spot. You're right, he really is in a tough spot right now. And although in the start of the year, he was performing well, we could see that slowly throughout the year, his performances were dripping. It first started with qualifying, where he was still able to make the pace back up in the race. Until recently, where his race pace has just been off. Like in Qatar, he got overlapped by Max Verstappen. That's going to be one of the most humiliating things you can do as a teammate. And honestly, Perez continuing at this rate, I can't see him have much of a future with Red Bull. As before he joined Red Bull, he was a solid driver and it made complete sense of why Red Bull would take him. But now, it just seems like he's a liability to Red Bull. But Red Bull don't really need it because they have Verstappen running the constructors and drivers for them. But I feel like Perez... His seat is under danger. And not only that, this is pretty far-fetched, but I think it's still very much possible. With the heat and the tensions rising up at McLaren, that if Lando is not likely it over there, there is the seat at Red Bull always open for him because Helmut Marco will not stop sucking up to Landonors. So I definitely think it's a possibility that if Paris does lose seat, which he probably will, he's not been performing to earn a Red Bull seat, he will probably end up going into out of F1 and Ladinoris will come into his seat. Well, I feel that his entire position in F1 is questionable right now. But I feel like just what he's done as a driver and second to Max Verstappen. So let's look at the past seasons. In 2021, in my opinion, Red Bull had a faster car than Mercedes and he ended up in fourth. Last year, Red Bull had a considerably faster car than uh, then Ferrari, he comes third. This year, he has about just above half the amount of points that Max Verstappen has and could very well be, based on how he's performing, could have half the amount of points. So, I genuinely believe, and I don't want this to happen because I do respect Perez as a driver, he's going to go down the Bottas path of going to one of the lower-end teams, going to the Alfa Romeo, going to maybe an Alfa Tauri or something. And just try to build himself back up. But it's going to be difficult. But I do not see him staying in Red Bull. Maybe 2024, he has a chance. If none of the Lando, Lando Norris uh, exchanges happen. Maybe in 2024, he may have a chance with Red Bull. But other than that, I don't see his future with him in Red Bull. So, I think Paris. I'm not sure if Paris will continue in 2024. But I know Lando will continue 2024 with McLaren. Because... The team's heading in a good way and Lando has good chemistry with McLaren. It's just if this gets too much and the relationships break. And speaking about 2021 and 2022, I feel like Perez's performance were justified because in the end, 
Perez was a second driver and he played the good role of a second driver. And in 2021, that's the fair. Mercedes was the faster car. This is this is not even a no. debatable topic. The Mercedes no, was a faster car, anyway. slightly faster, but it had it had the edge over the Red Bull of 2021. The Mercedes was a faster car. That was without I don't doubt. believe that. I don't. So then, <laughs> wow, is <laughs> the Hamilton fan coming out of you? <clears throat> So, in 2021, he played enough for a second driver, you know, he serviced up and he still got positions and he still got points, although it wasn't enough to win the constructors, I believe. But then in 2022, he played everything a second driver would need to. It was just that Charles was extremely quick in the first half of the season because he was challenging Max for the championship and Perez was always a second driver and he was doing well as a second driver. Just that now that we've started this year, Perez has not been good he started the year strong but he's ending it extremely weak that's fair that's fair but since we're on the topic of red bull something that we haven't discussed yet talked about at the start of the episode max verstappen is champion of the world for the third time in a row and red bull dominance is official i guess completely official this man this man is simply Flawless. I think this is going to be one of the most dominant seasons in he Formula One. Season. Simply because of the amount of records he's broken. He broke Sebastian Vettel's records for most race wins in a row. He has basically won. Like, there's an entire section of the calendar. If you just see the wins, it's just Verstappen. And after this, that's signs in the only middle. Only three races the he has in won. the middle. Yeah. It's. See, it's only three races he hasn't won. Why? Because two were won by Perez and one was won by Sainz. Out of all the races, three races were missed out by Verstappen. The rest of them were won by Verstappen. Verstappen is winning the drivers and the constructors and I think he's going to finish the year that way because he is unstoppable. He is crazy. You know what I wish? I was I watched a reel at the start of the year or maybe like a couple of races in. Imagine if just a couple of races ago, when Verstappen basically had the championship secured like four races ago, practically, considering Perez's performance. So, I believe this. It's insane. And you know, no, the, no, funny just listen, thing, listen, listen. the funny thing is that Verstappen can listen, never. Just imagine if Red Bull got a third car in, had Ricardo race instead of Verstappen, and got a 1 2 3. Uh, Ricardo would not have come close yeah, to Verstappen. He would have come close to Verstappen. Ricardo would he not. would have been a solid third. Because, no, say Verstappen was taken out and he was replaced by Ricardo. Verstappen already won the championship. He was replaced by Ricardo. And Ricardo would get third place in the Drivers' Championship. Red Bull would go down as the greatest constructor for a season if they got that 1-2-3. There would be no doubt. Leave no doubt. Honestly, I would say Ricardo was a really good driver, but I'm going to use the word was... Because he simply hasn't been at it. Like, his return to Alphatari was, oh my god, yeah, Ricardo's back and he seemed back, he seemed in fall. But then his performance was not anything like what we've seen of the old Ricardo. So, I feel like Ricardo would be better than Perez, but not significantly. I still feel like Ricardo's career has come to an end, unfortunately. Well, we're going to see from, I think it's the US Grand Prix. Uh, I think... Yeah, it should be from the next Grand Prix onwards that Ricardo's back in the car, but I don't think he's going to perform. But back to our topic of Max Verstappen being a champion. This man cannot win a championship. In a normal way. In any normal way. He cannot win a championship in any normal way. It is... 
when is he going to do that? First year, 2021, he, 2021, he wins it through the most controversial season of all time. Like, Secondly, go, go on. Uh, okay, sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying controversial season of all time. I'm not taking any sides. Secondly, Suzuka last year. No one knew if he got championship. Why? Because there was some 50% points, some 75% points, God knows what. And this year, he won the championship on a Saturday. He won it on oh, yeah, a last Saturday. Last year with uh, Leclerc, he had the... I'm pretty sure Leclerc had a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was the entire Suzuka thing of of the 75% points or the 50% points and whether he was championship or not, no one knew it. Like, they had the championship room ready, but they didn't know if they were going to need it. It was, it was really funny. Just at the end of the race, they were all like, hey, wait, is Verstappen champion? Oh, Verstappen, you're champion. That's crazy. This this year, they came prepared. <laughs> this year, they came prepared to make sure that Verstappen is an accidentally champion and he is champion when he is champion and they just don't accidentally find out all right, now that we're running out of time, we're going to have one last topic, which is the one teaching another. But this time around, Daksh is going to teach me about the a very interesting situation that is the Andretti situation. Go for it, Daksh. So, in 2026, there's a chance that Andretti, Andretti Motorsport Racing may join the F1. And the fact is it's extremely debatable whether they should be allowed or should not be allowed. On one side, the FIA. So they got four teams that tried to be approved as F1 teams. However, only one was approved, which was Andretti Racing. And FIA has approved them. But the thing is, in 2021, there was the Concord Agreement that was signed, which stated that any new team that's joining will have to pay $200 million to all the other teams, which means $20 million each for the fact that they are going to be taken away from the price pool and all of that. So that was signed in 2021, when F1 was not nearly as big as it was now. And what was signed was that each team gets $20 million. Despite the fact that, for example, Red Bull and Mercedes's prize-winning uh, uh, prize ability is far more than something like Haas or Williams. So both of them are getting $20 million. So it's essentially taking away from the potential profits of a Red Bull or a Ferrari or a Mercedes or a McLaren and a Haas or Williams that are not winning anything are getting 20 million out of nowhere. So teams are proposing that Andretti pays $600 million in order to join. And that's a lot. And that is a lot. That means 60 million to each team. But still, I don't believe that Andretti should be joining as a Levitt team. And I know, Marjit, you were talking about how it's a good thing if they do join. But the problem is F1 is working so well right now. And with the 10 teams, it's like a perfect that that 10 people are in points, 10 people are in, there are 20 racers. The grid just seems, 10 just seems a sweet number. The moment you introduce the 11 team, it's, I just feel it's going to take away from the essence of F1. Very interesting. So... I was aware about the entire $200 million deal, but what I was not aware of was proposing a $600 million for $60 million each team. That is, that is bizarre. And honestly, I knew that Andretti had the opportunity to pay that $200 million, so I'm not sure about the $600 million. But 
also think about right now the biggest issue that I could probably start get with F1 is that there are not enough seats. There's so there's so much talent out there, and some talent also gets wasted. Like Liam Lawson, great talent, but right now is he gonna get seen in F1? No, as it stands, no. And then there are also many other. Robert Schwartz made a very good F2 driver, and he's just gone thing. Callum Eilat, very good, but he never got a shot. So having these extra seats in F1 will allow the younger talent and more talent to actually prove themselves and get the high step in F1. And also just having a new team will bring it a brand new perspective, a brand new rise from the bottom, or maybe they could have just hit a new sweet spot and get in. It brings a whole new perspective into the development of F1, the way data is gathered, and it just brings a whole new section into F1 having 11 teams. And so maybe the point system could be reworked on like maybe P11 or still keep it P10. The qualifying format, maybe they can do it like how it is in the F1 game, 16, 11, 10. I think it can work out and it will definitely change F1 for the better because of just having this new angle and this new perspective in would change a lot. I wouldn't quite agree with that. I feel that it's just going to dilute F1 and adding more teams is sure it may make it a, it may make it competitive but the fact is that every team even if it may bring in new talent i don't feel like it's worth diluting what is there right now in f1 and maybe there's some wasted talent absolutely but there's a lot of luck that's involved in f1 and there's always going to be a lot more talent than there are sports there's always going to be a lot of f2 drivers f2 drivers formula e drivers who are really 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 good who definitely deserve a spot over a lot of the drivers of the current day and age of F1 and are better than uh, the old drivers, aging drivers. But the f- that's going to happen regardless of if there are 10 teams or 11 teams. But I just feel like 10 is the perfect number and changing so much about F1 when it's not even broken can really mess the, mess the entire concept of F1 up. There is definitely the risk of having the team join them, but also think about the reward. They will pull in a whole new section from the US fan base. And we know right now F1 is a bit biased towards the US, giving them three races a year. So they it will bring in a whole pull from the F1 fan from the F1 America fan base because Infinity by themselves are an American team. And let's just think about it this way. Your main goal is for teams not joining in F1, but now look in the perspective if Porsche were to join F1 or if well Audi are joining but like if they joined as a separate constructor or BMW we already know that a lot of fans would pay good money to see new teams and some of them being well-known constructors like Porsche, BMW, Lamborghini especially to join F1 because it would just have this new element and this new fan base brought in which could honestly lead to the development of the sport. I just believe that traditions are best. The way that every year a new F1 team is coming to, like a new constructor is coming, is by buying out a previous team. Buy out a previous team and you have every right to a seat, to have new drivers, anything. So, can companies such as Alfa Romeo or anything who are struggling, they can be bought out by Andretti. Getting a completely new constructor, getting 11th constructor, is completely unnecessary in my opinion that is a very interesting take you know you know what we should do we should set up a poll on our instagram and find out what the viewers are thinking so 
shortly after this episode is released, there'll be a poll released on Instagram. And it will ask you guys of whether you'd be down for Andretti joining F1 or if they weren't on the grid next year. You've heard both of our opinions and you've heard both of our claims now. I'd want to see what you guys are thinking of it. It's actually going to be very interesting to see. Because there are obviously the two different sides. One is that it's going to dilute F1 and the other one's completely fresh new perspective. And both of them are valid, but... It's an interesting topic. There is the risk an interesting reward topic, factor, at the least, of having Andretti join Formula One. There is a risk reward factor. There is a big risk of diluting, but there is also a reward of evolving, I'd say. But then you, I don't believe you can satisfy, uh, you cannot satisfy Horner and Wolf because you cannot create, uh, you cannot say that this team is worth this much of the F1 and this team isn't. So that means the FI is always going to say, that every team gets the exact same amount of money. And that is simply unfair in my opinion. Because the amount of chance that an Alfa Romeo has in order to win the the prize pool of the F1 is so much less than the ability of a Mercedes or a Red Bull or a McLaren to get it, on the other hand. Yeah, but in that case... So there's no way that you can satisfy the top constructors of F1 today. In that case of the reason of why the other teams are struggling, we'll keep this as a big debate for later, but it's also due to a lot of their incompetency. Like, when the regulation changed, why was Red Bull able to make such a good car while Alfa Romeo wasn't able to? That's because Alfa Romeo are simply not good. So that might be from their financial backing. So that might be from their staff are not as qualified. But then also, who is that blamed on? Alfa Romeo in the, in the end. Why can't Alfa Romeo get good sponsors? Because they can't have good performance. It's a loop that they're trapped in. Some teams have broken out of it that have developed over the past years. McLaren, for example, they have come up to be probably one of the top teams right now because Red Bull's in another world. Ferrari, Ferrari, well, all right, Ferrari do have their name, their brand, so I guess we can count them out. Then even we can see how some teams get stuck in the circle, like Williams. Williams being such a brilliant team fell down into this. So it's an entire development circle. It's mainly the team's fault where it goes. Whether it goes higher, it's their fault. Whether they get stuck in that loop of torridness and backmarker, and that's their fault. So it is a lot on the team, and the FIA are just giving the team equal opportunities, and it just depends on how the teams use them. And this money giving is another equal opportunity, and just depends how the how they use it. It's just that. Mercedes and the higher teams know how to use it better and we can see that through evidence of their performance but if there's money coming in there's there's no way to quantifiably say that this team is worth more than this team so just think about the fact that if every team is going to receive 20 million dollars or 60 million dollars or whatever the final concord agreement is going to say and is going to be satisfied by this and is going to be run through everyone Whatever, whatever, any, whatever, all the teams agree to the specific amount is going to be equal, and it's not fair to say that Red Bull should be receiving the same as Alfa Romeo, despite the fact that Alfa Romeo are stuck in a loop of losing and losing and creating bad cars. They should not be rewarded for their, uh, for their unsuccessful run. They should not. Just for being an F1 team, they should not get that. And Red Bull for their successful run. If they are giving away a portion of their prize money, they should definitely be rewarded, and not the same as a company like uh, as a racing team like Alfa Romeo or Williams or anything of the sort. I mean, see, when you get to a 
team like Red Bull, it's you don't really need the money, especially when you get to a high team. Like you have enough sponsors where you already reach your cost cap limit, and sometimes you could go over it because maybe you spend too much on catering. Um, she don't like twenty twenty one, but uh, where was I going with this? Right, yeah, they they won't need that much money, especially with the price pool. When you're a top team, it won't make that much sense. And also, if you see the FIA, they have been moving to sort of equalize the playing field, and this has been seen through the wind tunnel time restrictions where the top teams get less for internal times compared to the bottom teams for the development of their cars. So it makes sense of why they're agreeing to make everything, uh, no, to get the grid close and not make everything fair, to get the grid closer because then that would produce more racing, better championship fights. It also presents a bigger challenge for the top teams. It sort of sets a difficulty level that equalizes the entire playing field. So can we ask, or we'll save this question for another episode if this move the FIA made with wind tunnel and everything is it equalizing or is it creating unfairness that's actually very interesting we will we, we will keep all of this for the next episode because unfortunately we have ran out of time for today's episode and I think we have gone over our uh, aim time limit oh god it was a fun episode fun episode to it record. was a good episode the Qatar Grand Prix and we we will also send out another poll uh, probably sometime this week which we will have shortlisted a couple of topics that the next episode will be about because the next episode is a non-race weekend so we've already discovered a few couple of topics here while we'll have a few more generic like car driver maybe who's the best code we'll send out a poll and whichever you guys think is the best vote on it and well you guys can basically control the content that is given in our episode next week and this will be posted on our Instagram at Pitlane Chatter, so go follow it. So that brings us to the end of the second episode of the Pitlane Chatter podcast. And it was a fun one. So we upload episodes every Monday, 10 p.m. IST and uh, 4 p.m. GMD. So tune in, watch our episodes, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Spotify. And if Marza doesn't have anything else to say, uh, we have to say something uh, about our time schedules yeah so this episode and maybe the ones in the next coming race weekends the, the, the races which are scheduled more towards the American side and that are a bit later for the IST timing they might be released a bit later like at 12am IST on the Tuesday morning because of just simply the way the entire time zones work and everything so just have a look out for that we will give updates on our stories of when the episodes will release but it's on for today's episode because the Qatar Grand Prix happened pretty late in India there was the entire shift in our schedule and we've had to delay the episode by two hours so unfortunately for that but next episode we will have it on time at 10 p.m. so thank you everyone for watching and we'll see you next week on the Bitlin Jada podcast thank you